Welcome to Rose Interview, a podcast where we become slop kebabs and talk about our favorite TV shows. We also, while inebriated, will talk about the representation it brings to TV, or lack thereof. So pour a drink, light a nice candle, set the mood, and let's get real sloppy and talk about TV. After this quick word from our sponsor. She is here. She's always here in spirit. Welcome to this week's episode of Rosé and Review. This is a very special episode. It's my last one's in New York as a New York resident with two of my best first friends from NYC, Nicholas Jensen and Mandy Robbins. I don't know why I called you Nicholas and not you, Amanda, but that's what we're doing today. Excuse me. <laughs> Full government names. Yes, yeah, just show. like, <laughs> I want people to be found. And we're going to be talking about the government anyway, so it'll be interesting. I want to keep this like not, you know, I don't want it to be super political, but you can't not be political with the show we're about to talk about, but before we introduce the show, why don't you two introduce yourselves a little bit, what you do, what's your favorite hobbies, long walks on the beach, that kind of thing. So Nick, why don't you go first? On the spot. On the spot. My name is Nick. I live here in Brooklyn. What is you, what is the... Just, it, it, that's, that's all you want to say? That's all you have to say. I just like, I'd like to do a little introduction to them to get to know you, the show's about you, and the TV show at the same time. I'm originally from Nebraska. I'm like pretty interested in like reading and, and spirituality yeah. and like, like human flourishing and happiness. Yeah. So Love that's, it. yeah, that's a little bit about me. Amazing. Just Mandy? a touch, yeah. Ah, just hi. a little, little splash, a little, little drum. <laughs> I'm You've Mandy. been touched by Nick. <laughs> Not like and, that. Okay. And okay. And moving forward. Mandy. So also Brooklynite. Currently devastated, but surviving your last second to last night here uh-huh. in New York. Uh-huh. Uh, Being the most gracious host ever. I asked you months ago. Before I even asked, I think you like knew where it was going, and I was like, Mandy, I need to ask you a favor. And you're like, oh, yes. Done. Like, whatever it is, yes. <laughs> you have something exciting to offer? Yes. <laughs> here for it. So, my, I, gosh, what is, I'm currently a dog foster mom. Yes. So, any chewing noises is Inspector. He is currently munching on his bone, which it's, we love. Yes, we are not chewing the bones. Yes. <laughs> although we're chewing the show. Yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah, no, so that's really my pandemic life, is walking the dog, watching TV, mm-hmm. texting you furiously about, why haven't you told me about this show, and then you actually have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Mandy, no, remember we talked about this months ago? I'm so sorry, I forgot about that show. No, this is, I'm so happy to have you two on it, this is going to be so exciting, and especially for this show, I think this show is... Like, uh, so Mandy and I watched, so before we start, the show is The Boys. That's what we're going to talk about today. And Mandy and I watched a couple episodes yesterday, and we all just watched the season finale of season two. And Mandy and I were saying last night, there is so much that happens in every episode. I mean, every episode is like a mini movie sometimes because of the amount of things that happen in that episode. We tried to look for some recap that wasn't 15 hours long, but we were unsuccessful in that attempt. So, and I promise you that this won't be less than an hour. So here we go. So Stop I... In. <laughs> Buckle up, seatbelt <clears throat> save lives. That goes back to a point That's we're going to make later. That's very true, though. <laughs> yeah. It's good mentioning. It's good mentioning, and it's full circle. So I think, you know, I like to start it off light and fluffy. Why did you watch the show? Was it recommended to you? Was it something you saw, and you're like, fuck, I need to watch it? So kind of what drew you to this show? I'll go first. Yes. Superheroes. I am a I casual know. superhero fan. 
Marvel fan, but and I appreciated like, oh, a new take on it. That's not the CW. (laughs) (laughs) I want to point out a casual superhero fan is such a lovely way to describe exactly how you are, right? You're not like a diehard look into the lore, what are the Easter eggs in this movie, but you do enjoy it. Yeah, no, I enjoy the enjoy the presence of abs. There's oh, yeah. cute little witty lines. You know, it's a good story to distract. But I'm not gonna stay up to midnight to wait for the new release of whatever right. Marvel is coming out. And just like the calendar <laughs> of the universes, that's where it gets too far for me. But so I like that this was a single world of superheroes yeah. for now. Yeah, right. Exactly for now. We don't know what season three brings. Nicholas, why did you get interested in this show? Yeah, so I mean, I I am a person who has definitely waited in line and has been at midnight premieres of at least the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Drunk as fuck. Because DC, like, oh, yeah, woof. they get their shit together, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> like, really? I mean, wow. Yeah. Wonder Woman 1984. I mean, Thanks. woof. Yeah. Barking up the wrong tree. Jesus. But, yeah, so I mean, this was, a, you know, I was like, okay, I need to I need something to watch yeah. it was the middle of summer I was like <laughs> coming back we went on a trip yeah and I was coming back and I'm like oh right I like don't like being stuck inside all the time and so I think I just kind of like got into it just because I wanted to watch something and then just got obsessed with it yeah. luckily I didn't watch it like when season one came out because I you binged it hard yeah and <laughs> I was like I'm now mad that I have to wait for season three yeah, I think I'm, I'm very similar to... Well, I, I'm, I'm less of a casual superhero fan. I think I'm, like, I'm like flirting with the, like, the intense superhero fan and the, like, casual superhero fan. Like, I am... I'm more than casual, but I'm not, like... I haven't read the comic books. I'm not, like, oh, the Green Lantern never did this in comic book episode, whatever. So I'm, like... But I'm flirting. I'm somewhere in that, like, weird gray area where I'm, like very diehard about the Marvel movies. I mean, we just watched WandaVision yesterday and I'm like obsessed True. with this stuff. Like this is, and, and you know, like we were talking during it. I was like, who is that? Is that Hawkeye? Like who is that, that voice? I don't know. And I'm like trying to make guesses because I do have a like interest in this. And I think the voice for me, I'm going to be honest, when it first came out, I was like, I don't want to watch this fucking show. I don't want to watch it. This looks crazy. And also like, I think I was still mar- mad at the Marvelous Miss Maisel or something, and I was like, the boys is doing the most. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like, Wait, what? what's your problem with Mrs. Maisel? <laughs> we, that is a different part. The last season really rubbed me the wrong way. But I think, you know, I, so I was taking that out on Amazon. So it's like, you know, it's not their fault, but I, like, took it out on them. But also, I am this person, and this is why I still haven't watched The Queen's Gambit. What I mean, a thing to hold against Amazon. Not like Jeff Bezos being, like, <laughs> awful. Right, like, right, yeah. What like, if your other shows didn't go the way I liked it? Like, have you met me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but also, I'm that person where if, if it's really, really popular, I am super inclined not to watch it. And it was one of the shows where it was like, everyone watched it. It was allegedly, right? Mrs. According Maisel? to the, No, Ms. The Mar- Boys. The Boys. Wait, who... I knew no one that watched it. Well, that's what's the funny thing is all of the articles I was reading was like, this is the number one streamed show. So many people are watching, blah, 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 blah. So I kept being like, what the fuck is this show? And then I think you watched it before I did. did. And you were like, have you seen this? And I was like, honestly, I've been avoiding it. But now I feel like I need to watch it. And then like in a week, I was like, baby! (laughs) Because it was a little crazy. I was like unprepared for the level of carnage that comes with this show, I think. But was still weirdly hooked right away. Because I think I love the concept that, like, this is a superhero show, but it's a dark show. Like, this is the, this is the, like, 
maybe the like what we don't see like marvel gets dark i guess but this is very much like no superheroes are can be super terrible even if they are like the best version of themselves they're still kind of terrible at the power that they wield and like this was just it was it was the concept that i was sold i was sold immediately there's no sugarcoating no none of this like they this show will fuck you up for sure properly in the face so yeah, that's kind of like what brought me to the show. But I think, you know, let's talk more a little bit about season two specifically. And like, what were some major either plot points or anything that kind of stuck out to you? What were like some major things that stuck out to you from season two? And there's a lot to talk about, right? There's a lot of things that happen in season Like we just said, each episode's like a mini movie. So there's a lot of things we could talk about. But what are the things that kind of just stuck out to you personally? Like that you were like, fuck. Well, one theme, if I can start in, kind of picks up on, on something you already mentioned, is that, like, that what is this show? It's, like, very violent and gory. And so I feel like in season two, they actually turned that up quite, like, they really oh twisted God. the dial up. And one of the things, I was re-watching uh, the end of season one into season two a couple months ago with my friend Chris, and I, I just remember seeing, like, oh, God, that escalated. I mean, it was violent from the first minute of season one. <laughs> But I was like, Jesus. Season two was like, hold my beer. (laughs) 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 To take a phrase that has been used quite a lot in the past couple weeks, that's very much what the season two was, yeah. Right, right. And so I think, like, going back to, like, not necessarily what drew me to the show, and, and but what kept me in the show, because I also generally don't like to... I have an aversion to things that are gore, like needlessly gory, yes. like gory to try to attract that like fifteen year old teenage boy kind <laughs> Is of that thing. Not all of us? I mean, that's <laughs> definitely who I am. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely like certain things that I have in common of like what appeals to them. Like I love animation. <laughs> yes, and, yes, like, yes, yes. And like so, sort of like violence as a device in animation is sometimes entertaining. Absolutely. Like Rick and Morty. Yeah, Avatar. Um, Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. But but in this case, I was like, you know, I don't like gore that's just used as a like I can't not look at that roadkill like just spectacle for spectacle's sake it's usually just done like so you know gorishly for lack of a better word right but (laughs) yeah I don't even know if that is a word (laughs) (laughs) on this show it doesn't fucking matter great I use poetic license but this idea of like violence as a device I think was really interesting in season two in that it is kind of it mirrors I think what like it's also kind of critiquing is this model of fame and capitalism and like reality stars and media and kind of these narratives that are like put forward by capitalism and the violence is also the point like the violence i think is like keeps you watching but it also keeps you uncomfortable because this should be uncomfortable like the needless suffering we have in society in order to facilitate things like vault industries is extremely violent yeah and so I appreciate it more and more the, the more I think about it and the more I watch it of like the violence uses the device not just to keep teenage boys interested, but it's actually to like keep us emotionally on edge for like this is atrocious and like the worst kind of violence. Like yeah. I think of the one scene where it might be in, in one of the earlier episodes where no it must be in the middle after Stormfront comes in mm-hmm. and like has her little love affair with Homelander where they like start killing people together and yes. like make it a sexual act. I think like it, it is so uncomfortable and such like continues to needle you into, yes. it's like a literal like It's a needle, plot device. It's, right? a, it's like, what keeps the story going versus, versus like what you were saying is like it's not needlessly violent. It is actually like 
a plot device. It's a storyline that they're that's using to move the story forward, which that's actually a very interesting... Oh my God, what I'm trying to say, not critique, but interesting point that you're making. Like, I didn't kind of think of it that way, but now that you've said that, I'm like, I was thinking of that exact scene. Though. Like, I think that's why I'm like a little bit like, I was thinking of that exact scene. They, they like killed people and then they fucked because it was like sexual to them. And that is like blowing my fucking mind right now. Yeah, it's kind of like it, it needles you along. Once you like get comfortable, they're like, we've got to do something. So you get back into this like emotionally roused, like that's wrong, mm-hmm. that like disgusted nature. Mm-hmm. Because like that's what they're saying is like, I think this is all an allegory for capitalism. That like, this is disgusting. Yeah. Like, and it should be, and we should be appalled all the time by what they just like can do and the power that they wield. But more on that later. But yeah. like that's, that's that was one of the themes that, uh, in season two that ramped up that I've loved about both seasons. Yeah, I absolutely love that point. Well, and like kind of related to that, like on the subject of power, is like the genetic mm. Nazi element, which I. I forgot about until we rewatched it recently. It's like, I'm not comfortable, like never comfortable with that. Right. And it's such like an obvious, like, of course they're going like superheroes with a, you know, compound V that can be injected would obviously lead to that kind of genetic power structure. And here we go. Nazis. Right. Well, and like, kind of like, what does that say? Like like, Nazis, obviously. A hundred percent. And like, what does it say that like, Shows like this, like, constantly have to bring up Nazis as a bad guy. Because this isn't, like, the only show on right now where Nazis are the bad people, right? Like, it's not like it's, like, a, a rare thing, a rare plot line that happens in shows. So what is it saying about, like, our society that, like, Nazis are always the bad guys still? And that was over 100 years ago. And, like, I mean, obviously, they... It's not to say that they we shouldn't be over that they were bad. But that in today's society, that is still used as, like, the the... the the evil moving forward. I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, there's so many people that are more currently could be recognized for their evil actions that do mimic the Nazi like mentality. But yet when, once they get to the Nazi stamp, then it's like, no, that's truly evil. Like they're okay with them until it's like that Nazi stamp. And then that's like, no, 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 I can't, I can't be affiliated with Nazi. It's like, well, you were affiliated with them plenty before that. So like, I don't understand how that changes anything because the mindset's still the mindset. Well, they're still present in our society that's why there's still a a handy villain that's true that's true yeah it's like they haven't gone away which is terrible and and it's terrifying and like unfortunately we we still need you know forces in the media to to propagandize like we need this propaganda sadly still that nazis are bad and unfortunately i think like what where there's a big disconnect is that it's it's a convenient plot point to just always draw it back to World War II. German Nazis are bad. And then it kind of like puts it at distance at it, puts it in the past, and doesn't actually connect it with like white supremacist Nazi forces that currently exist today. Right. At Um, large in our country. Yeah. Like, let's look at that caste system, not our own. Exactly. Yeah. And while we're on that subject, I love the parallel. Like, I, I try to think of like, oh, you know, who everyone is singing, who is this superhero based off of. But like the fact that Homelander, supposed Captain America... Like, to think that just because he's on America's side doesn't mean he's any less, you know, white supremacist, doesn't mean he's any less, like, why do we automatically think Americans are the good guys? That's part of our propaganda of thinking, like, you know, the U.S. were the good guys in World War II, 
But, I mean, we really needed to be forced into war. That right. was not a, like, altruistic we move, attacked, yeah. right? And even, so... and even then, we took it even farther. We right. were at, we were even more authoritarian when you think about what we did to Japan 100%. when the war was absolutely about to end. Right. Even. And so it's just, like, this interesting thing where you see, like, Homelander just being totally taken over by Stormfront. Yes. And you're like, why would we think that Captain America wasn't also this guy who's maybe like not the t- sharpest tool in the shed. Right. Wielding this like crazy amount of power. Right. Well, it's so funny that you draw a parallel to Captain America and to get nerdy for a second because like that is not who I would think of when I think of Homelander. I think of Superman for some reason because he reminds me more of Superman. But I do, I think the it's... powers, yeah, are parallel. Well, but see, now that you said Captain America, I'm like, oh, they did a very good job of blending like the America, like propaganda for lack of a better word, like the American image of Captain America with the powers of Superman, which is terrifying, right? Because Superman's an alien, so, like, he has no... Like, he cares about the world, but he has no allegiance to anything except his wife and his children. So, like, he can't give a fuck about America, whereas, like, Captain America's supposed to be, like, America. So it's so interesting that I never, like, kind of put that together, and now I'm like, damn. Makes sense. Like, the military connection. Yes! Uh, and, like, him setting up the 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 super villains, right, for people that... for Like, that was the beginning of this season, was them, like creating supervillains right. so they could fight things so that way well that was kind of the end of last season but mostly the beginning of this season was like now there's supervillains everywhere and there's a need for superheroes and we have to keep them involved and blah 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 it's like unite against that common enemy yeah which i will say like capitalism in practice does this all the time of right. creating a need for a product that actually we don't need oh, 100%. but they've created a problem that then they're like we'll sell you the solution right. Like secondary education, where like you can't get a job without a college degree, but then you can't pay off your debt with that job. So it really doesn't matter. Like it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Do uh, you think it's weird that Amazon, like this show is from Amazon? Right. Like I always felt like a little weird about that. Because they are the leaders of capitalism right. currently. I mean, the fast fashion, the buy, the you know, not being able to buy black owned things and buying from Amazon, like that whole comparison. That's true. I didn't actually really think about that because I kind of try to separate my TV studios, right? It's terrible. I try to separate my TV studios from like the bigger corporations, but I really shouldn't because like I'm still part of the problem by supporting them and paying for these fucking prescriptions, subscriptions. Although, but soon, prescriptions too. They just launched a pharmacy. No. Yep, a couple months ago. Will it make us a superhero if we prescribe? Honestly, okay, (laughs) As a fun question, like, if you were to become a superhero, what is, like, one power you would love to have? I want to control the weather. <laughs> I want to be Storm from X-Men, not Stormfront. I want to okay. be Storm from X-Men. She was always the most best. If, if I'm not going to be her, I want, like, Wolverine regenerative powers, but mm-hmm. not his claws, because that was terrifying. Ouch, yeah. Yeah. It'd be, like, his regenerative powers plus, like, psychic powers from the Phoenix. But anyway. I would be good with just, like, solid flying skills. <laughs> but fast. Yeah, okay. Like when Supersonic. I'm, when I'm, like, too lazy to walk two blocks to pick up sushi. Just boom. Yeah, I think that might solve some of my problems. <laughs> okay, Nick. I don't know. I, I at least can't think of a superhero who has this. But, I mean, unless we expand our idea of, yeah. like, witches, like, in Charmed. I would love to freeze time. I'd love to, like, oh, slow down time, freeze it. yeah. Like, I've That's always... obviously got to be a power somewhere. Oh, yeah. On, and, like, I have to really think about this. That's always been my answer to this. But why is it the answer? Is I mean, it that, you know, I've been I've been conditioned to think that, like, oh, if I could stop time, I could get so much more done. Right. And I'm like, That's real. But for what? Right? Like, it, is my life all about endlessly producing? 
But there are a lot of books that I'm like, it would be nice to just stop time and just finish this book. Right. Come back to the conversation. (laughs) But in that power, you need to make sure when you stop time, you don't continue to age, right? You can stop your aging because you don't want the movie Click where you're like 100 years old and in 10 years because you've stopped time for like 20 years. You know what I mean? Right. Or in like with what Piper and Charm, she like can only stop time for a few minutes and then she starts to like bleed out. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. She starts to die. No, I mean, like, I want the storm the storm from X-Men powers because I think the mood always controls my weather. Like, if it is gloomy out, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not in the mood to do shit today. But if I can be like, no, no, sun, please. Today is a day that we are going to be productive. But it's kind of in the same vein where I'm like, I want the sun to shine so I can get stuff done. Or today I like to be cloudy because I'm very tired and I'd like to relax. <laughs> Crazy. So, kind of going off of what we just talked about, but... What were kind of your thoughts on season two as a whole? Like, so I think, you know, we can all agree we loved season one. We were very enthralled in season one. But season two, like we said, brought up the carnage level, brought up a lot of things that were very uncomfortable and very, and maybe even hit a little too close to home for what we're currently dealing with. So what what were your thoughts kind of on season two as a whole? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Indifferent? You know, kind of what, what are our thoughts there? Mandy? I, I, ge- I generally liked it. Okay. I liked some of the character development. Like, Starlight becomes less of a little whiny bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, Butcher becomes more of a dick. Yeah. And more similar to Homelander. Yes. But then also ha- is kind of human towards the end, which he, was weird. He gets credit for sometimes showing up and doing the right thing. Which is like the white man's story, right? Like, yeah. Anyway, we don't go down that road. <laughs> I thought they like got into like some meaty areas. I thought it was entertaining and like, how could it get darker though? I like, I'm That's always surprised. Question. It kept getting darker and bloodier and like literal heads exploding. Wow. I could, talk. I could do with like a little less head exploding. But I think other, you know, I'm excited for season three. But I feel like there's going to be a ton more head exploding in season three. And we will well, talk about that in a second. That's cl- like we not, None of us mentioned that superpower. Right. Well, and I think because... I'm that, thankful for that. Right. But it's also because that, that was also violence as a plot line, right? In a sense, because that is literally a yeah. plot line that they used for multiple episodes. But it's also like... I think I'm, I'm I, like we were talking about right before we started recording. I had this whole theory that I was gonna say Vanessa the Hudgens. Church. That's not her name. Her name is Victoria Newman. It's like Vanessa Hudgens isn't in this. Yes. That poor girl. I keep her name in my mouth, and that I like she has done nothing to me. Well, <laughs> Victoria Newman. I thought she was like in cahoots with the Church of what is it called? The Convention or whatever. Collective. The Collective. Thank you very much. So I thought they were in cahoots to like take Bot down, but then the season finale, I'm like, oh no, wait, she. Killed the leader of the collective. Spoilers. <laughs> Always. If you're listening to this and you don't think there are spoilers, what fucking podcast are you listening yeah, to? Yeah, we are reviewing the whole thing. Yeah, come on now. Uh, but that's where I was like, I guess the head exploding thing, I think I black out. But it's the, I'm not under, I, season three, obviously she's a huge plot point. Huey's going to work for her. She's like going to be a huge plot point, but I don't know what her purpose is or who she's working for. You think Edgar potentially, I think not so much. Which is like the power structure, like there must be other players, because this world is very simplistic. It's Vought, the church, and government. Oh gosh, it's our world, basically. Well, I think, I mean, again... Capitalism, church, and the government. Yeah, yeah, as I continue (laughs) to drive back to capitalism, it's like, how many politicians do you think Vought just outright owns that are just regular human being politicians? This is kind of the threat of, like, Compound V 
in in politics in the government is like it's just as big of a threat as it is to like normal civilians with violence it's like when we supercharge dark money when we supercharge super PACs and all of that kind of stuff this is kind of what we get is we get this like that's why i think victoria newman is a plant for vaught Industries. she was like a soup that they raised in secret to like keep her behind the scenes we'll find out in season that's- three but i think like yeah. stan edgar's pulling the strings on that as like this was this was always a like secret weapon of theirs yeah. or a what is it called when you have uh, like trojan a guarantee horse. Oh, okay. trojan horse yes but like if you can't get it done through your you know just regular old corrupt politicians that we you, you like funded your ace your in the hole basically ace in the hole yeah. there we go it's like the the how you hedge all of your other bets yeah is like at the end of the day, this is the nuclear option. We've got a soup in there. See, and I, I can, I can see Vought being a part of this whole thing, like you just said. But I don't necessarily think that Stan Edgar's in on it. I think that he is going to be blindsided by this in a way that's going to really fuck us up in season three. Because I think that we saw some moments this season where he's like, I am doing this for capitalism. Clearly, I kind of have no choice. Right? He's kind of saying that like I'm pigeonholed because I'm not a white man. So there's only a, a, a modicum of amount of things that I can do. So I don't think he's in on the full secret about her. I would, I would, I would love to see what happens. I, we have to obviously do a season three one now because I want us to talk about what we find out. But I don't think he's necessarily pulling the strings. I think Vought is part of it, but I don't necessarily think it's him pulling the strings. Yeah, I think he sees the game and he's participating in his role. Mm-hmm. Like I don't he think sees he's like the, the stock master. prices, and that's like what he's after, but. I mean, I think that that's maybe what they want us to think. Right. Because at the end of the day, like, we look at him as this, like, oh, he's just a businessman. He might be, like, we might feel that that's whatever, but it's culturally acceptable to be like, yeah, we're going to do bad things to make a lot of money. Yeah. I think that he's the most evil person in the entire show. Okay. Of all the evil that's in the show, he benefits the most from it. Yeah. And he pulls more of the strings he just does it in a quiet behind the scenes way on a show that's really based on fame, right? Yes. That is all of their like Achilles heel is that like they they can't ruin their reputations. Stan Edgar is not trying to be famous. He is the one who's like, he knew about Stormfront. He's like, I'm not going to do shit about it, which like kind of makes him worse than a lot of these people. Like right. also with his, with him being a non-white person of he's like, well, what are you going to do about it? Right? right. Like he... Which I think is insidious, right? Yeah. Like, if he's just going to say, like, I'm going to benefit from this, so I have to push down my ethical obligation to my fellow man, my fellow person, in all of those ways, I think it was... I, I think he's so evil. Not to defend him, because he's certainly quite bad, but he did have that conversation with Butcher in the finale, yeah, where he mentioned, like, he doesn't have the privilege of... Like being getting angry about it, right? What well, I, Not I, I wrote it down, it, right, right? But I was like a very interesting like butcher can be that angry dick who's trying to stop it. He said that's a white man's luxury. Yes. I wrote that quote down because that fucking slapped me in the face. Like huh? you're not wrong, but I, I don't just I don't think that but he's it's... not evil. But I think that like at some point his hands are tied. Maybe I don't know. He's the CEO. He's the most powerful person in that show. He controls Homeland. There's usually he a has chairman. more power than these soups. There's going to be a chairman on the board. We don't I'm know sure, who that that's is. True, yeah. True. Yeah. And while we're on the subject of Stan Edgar, though, I can't help but see this like homage and this wink, especially with the season with like anti-Semitism, to Walt Disney, right? Like 
Vought Industries is obviously Disney now. Because even if you think about Marvel, who owns Marvel? Disney. Disney. And so, like, this is also a a huge comment on, like, monopoly behavior. Yeah. Going back to Amazon, right? Like, Amazon is a huge monopoly. We shouldn't like it for those reasons. But it's, it's so interesting that Amazon produced this thing that is so, like, I think it has huge themes around, like, this is bad, and really just breaking it open and being yeah. like, this is how it actually is. Yeah. Um, well, and, I mean, Disney owns Hulu, they own Fox, they own ESPN, they own the American Broadcasting Company. I mean, they own everything. And that's just television and movies. Like, that's not even talking about all the land and the property and all that stuff that they own. I mean, it's insane. So I completely agree with that. But it's not like I'm, I'm saying Stan Edgar is Walt Disney. Right. I'm saying Walt Disney was, like, Heinrich... Uh, Vought. Oh, shit. Is Heinrich was oh, his name? Yeah. Right? Frederick. Frederick. Fre- Frederick Vought. Because, not to say, like, Disney, Walt Disney himself was that bad, but I couldn't help but see the com- the, the comparisons to all the things we've heard about Walt Disney with his anti-Semitism. Yeah. And so, is Stan Edgar, like, the modern-day Disney CEO who doesn't have the luxury of doing what's right because he's a person of color in the CEO position that has a history of being white supremacist? So, like, but you sign up for the job you sign up for. I Like, I don't give any defense <laughs> to Stan Edgar. No, that's, that's totally fair. So, moving on to my next question, which is, what was your least favorite part of this season? I think we've touched a little bit on this here and there. So, what were your least favorite parts about this past season? What was something that you were like? And, in that question, because I like to challenge people, your least favorite part, and what would you have changed about it? What would you have done differently? In my... 14-year-old boys, voice crack. <laughs> <laughs> Who has an answer? I have one. It's not a fantastic answer, but I didn't love the whole Homelander's kid, Brian, Rebecca storyline. Yeah. I understand the... Like, it shows the side of Homelander and Butcher. It's just like... Ugh. It was just, like, boring and old. Yes. And just... The Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker... Evil dad, good son, gonna probably be evil, then he'll be good, you know. It was a snooze it's fest. A yeah. Like, glad that, like, the kid, like, you know, got his first murder in. Like, Which was or... his own mother. Well. Yeah. He killed his mom. Let's just say it. It's fine. It that's happened. A, that's a big deal. But, yeah. yeah, I think overall, not my favorite. What would you have changed about it? I think I would have given Rebecca more autonomy and independence to get out of that situation yes she seemed so dependent on others and i understand that she was facing you know soups and this corporation and all this power it's just like i don't know give her a little more creativity or just like give her an ally that's not butcher who has his own self-serving purpose very much so yeah. I, I think I would have tried to touch more on, in that storyline, Ryan being the first naturally born super, like, superhero or whatever. Soup. Yeah. Uh, because that's something, like, they touched on lightly and they're like, this is an anomaly and what, where this is so special. But, like, why is it special? What makes him special? Like, let's dive into that story a little bit about. Because, like, they were all a product of this chemical compound V, right? And that, obviously, was something. But... Okay, so this can be passed down genetically. Like, that is very interesting. And what effects does that have? And, like, obviously Ryan has some of the same powers as Homelander, but he doesn't have all of them. And, like, how do they manifest? Is there a certain age? Like, I feel like there's there's a lot of other things, like you said, we could have done. And it was this very, like, 
kind of boring trope that was like, I don't understand. Like, Also, Homelander cannot be the first to produce offspring. That's my thing. They're like, all... Deep, hello. I mean, like, they're fucking every episode. Like, all of them. We went to that... They're that in the first season, we go to that underground rave or whatever they're doing. It, they're literally just fucking in the ground, all of them. I can't imagine this is the first one that's ever been pregnant. But I guess because Homelander is so powerful, maybe that's why it's, like, such a big deal. But, like... Let's, what the fuck? What about for you, Nicholas? I have to agree. I think, like, this, the kind of theme of family that they had throughout. Yeah. Like, again, like, the whole, the theme of family in the first season was more about, like, intimate partners. So, like, Huey loses his girlfriend, his fiance. But we have this weird thing with the old Amanda, like, the original Amanda. Yeah. Her, I forget her name. But phenomenal actress. I loved her in season one. And her baby, right? They had, Homelander had that whole thing. Right. And I, I was super here for it then. Because I was like, this is really weird and fucked up. And like, talks about Homelander's like, parent issues. Like, yes. mommy issues. Yes. That like, takes this weird turn in season two that I, I agree, I think is really boring. I think the relationship with Butcher and his father is weird and convoluted. And like, a plot line thrown in. In a way that, like, they're trying to make it really intricate and and, and interwoven and interwebbed. That, like, Butcher is angry at Homelander because Homelander raped his wife and, like, they had this, like, child or whatever. And yet it was also consensual, like she says to him. She's like, it wasn't rape. I... Wasn't, isn't that what she said? Or was it rape? I forget now. There's so many things that happen. But... I'm just thinking like Butcher needs like one of those boards with all like the strings connecting and he's yes. like that mad dude. Yeah, from like, uh, It's Always Sunny. Yeah, that's Where he's him. like, look at this, look at this, this is what's happening. But maybe actually if he had a visual representation of it, he would be more be rational. See more clearly. But I agree with you. I think the, the trope about family is a little contrived in this season, right? It's like they're trying too hard. I agree with like the Butcher's dad coming was kind of like, Okay. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I just feel like there's not a lot of character development yes. to Butcher that they're trying to force onto us. And we're like, we still like, still am like a little confused on what Lenny's story is, his like brother. And, you know, that's something that like, if we're going to have this sort of family thing, like how is, how is it ultimately, like, where is it going? Like, right. that's something that I was constantly like, why did we just see that scene? Right. And what are we meant to feel from it? I didn't get as strongly as, like, other really solid parts of the show. Uh, I completely agree. Yeah. And I would I would just, yeah, mimic what you guys said. I think those were definitely, like, some of my least favorite parts. I feel like also this season, it's like, I don't know. There's just, it's a lot of, like, hopping. I guess, like, maybe one of my least favorite parts is that there's so much happening, right? Like, there is literally so many, and, like, as someone who likes to write complicated shit and is... The king of telling a complicated story. I mean, how many times do I tell you a story, Nick, where you're like, I actually have no idea what you're talking about right now. Like, Often. Often. So <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that, but at the same time, there's a point where I'm like, okay, now that's too much. Like, there's the whole the whole soup from the medical center, the mental institution. Like, she's still out there wilding around. Like, that maybe is a plot point in season three. I just feel like there's so many, what is it called, unclosed loops or just so many, like like, leftover stories that they didn't finish that I'm like... Are we going back to them? If not, like, man, maybe it's just me focusing on the wrong things. But, like, you gave me so many things to focus on, and these are the ones I chose. So you trying to tell me the story you're trying to tell me, now I'm a little bit like, well, I want to know what that other story is about. Like, you didn't finish that one. And so I want to, like, his aunt, that was a whole thing. She's a drug dealer. You know what I mean? Like, there's just so many random fucking things this season that I'm like, why didn't we keep 
going in down that road. That was a, would have been an interesting road to go down. Black Noir is a character I'd like to like get into. Like, what the fuck was his story? You know, I don't know. That's kind of my least favorite part about the season. Well, and it's like I keep coming back to this thing that they really force the family narrative onto us. We have yeah. Starlight and her mother. All right. We have Kamiko and her brother. We have all of these things with Homelander and his various whatever, and Butcher and his various whatever. And I'm just like, for for what? It's like the the writers at the beginning of the season were like, we're going to focus on family this season and write the whole thing. Try to like write that in. Right. Where I'm like, you're already like kind of critiquing and making fun of and, and, and having as cultural commentary on this superhero theme what does it mean when we worship people with power what does it mean when we worship people with fame and what precarious positions they have to be in to maintain that like image and then what does it mean when it becomes culturally acceptable for that image to be outright white supremacist and nazi yeah and like there's just there is so many themes going on this and it felt like the family thing they were pushing just became contrived yes from the other themes that were really important and like continually like now it's it's so weird to put it into today's terms of january 2021 of really opening some of those layers and i think that the family part has been a distraction no at times not well executed i completely agree let's take a quick ad break and then when we come back we're going to talk about characters And we're back. What a lovely ad. Thank you, Anchor, for sending me five cents for that fucking ad. Our next question is... <laughs> How do you really feel? Oh my god, right? <laughs> Light it up. It's the red wine talking. So the next question I want to ask both of you is, who is your favorite character in The Boys and why? So it's, it's you know, it's a two-parter, if you will. Okay, I... They're all trash in a way. There it is. However, Frenchie saves the day with his sweetness. He's funny. He's, like, weirdly, sweetly devoted to Kimiko and, like, learning her secret sign language. He's very... I appreciate the lightness in him around all the darkness. He's funny. Yes. But, like, he's still... A really bad guy. But he's French. His accent does make half of his personality, which is terrible. I agree with that. Right? Like, every time he talks, I'm like, no, yeah, you just won me over, son of a bitch. Yeah. Didn't do anything. He could have said the most crazy shit, and I would have been like, that accent's adorable. He also doesn't do much. He doesn't. But that's okay. But he's like a chemist. He's like weirdly super smart. He's good with explosives. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he can take a, a mental hospital full of drugs and make a bomb. You know, who can do that? Frenchy. More than me. More than no, me. Definitely more than me. I would just look at that and be like, what drugs can I take? Nick, well, who do you think? Who's yeah, your favorite Yeah, I mean, character? he's so resourceful. I would also go with Frenchy just because he's all, he's the most likable, I think. I mean, him and Mother's Milk, I think, are the, like, purest characters yes. who are, like, there to help and seem like, I mean, they all have their motivations, but, like, everyone else's motivations are pretty dark. It's, like, pretty traumatic. Yeah. And not to say that theirs aren't, but it's, like, they are... I think under, they're like characters off to the side that I feel like are playing a bigger role than they, an outsized role than maybe the screen time they get. Yeah. And Frenchie kind of had like a, a more premiere role this season, right? We he got a whole episode where we learned like what he fucking did to Mallory's kids yeah. or like, or grandkids or whatever. I always keep saying kids and they're like her grandchildren. And I'm like, she doesn't seem like she's a grandmother. So that's why I keep saying children. I also love Mallory in this like, 
she, I think, like, gives me hope and, like, oh, there's this some kind of, like, extra normal power she has from yeah. the deep state, right? Like, from the CIA. That she can, like, come Big in brother. and save the day, yeah, right? Exactly. And I'm, like, it's so frustrating to me, though, because those kinds of things keep happening in the show of, like, oh, it's a convenient thing that Mallory has the power to, like, wave her hand in this, you know, like, Butcher is no longer going to be sought after for these crimes. Mm-hmm. And the whole world forgets they know there was an APB out on him. I also want to talk really quickly, before I say my favorite character, and something that just, like, popped in my head. Victoria Newman's been here since season one. Remember when Amanda's head blew up randomly when she was talking to Butcher? I, ten to one, Victoria Newman blew her head up. She was just lurking in the corner. Yep, exactly. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, this girl has been here since the beginning. So maybe you, maybe she, you know what, now that I'm saying this. been in season two. No, season one, because Amanda was still, no, Amanda wasn't in season two. Or not Amanda, whatever, Rebecca's sister, the one that dies, that Butcher was like working with in season one. She definitely dies in season one. Mm. It's like right before they go AWOL, because then the beginning of season two is they're underground, so she's already dead. Butcher's sister, and sister Sister-in-law. Because it's Rebecca's sister. Right? They're both like mourning over Rebecca. She's like, you gotta stop. But she's still in the CIA. Then somehow he gets evidence and she brings her back in. And then she gets close to it and she finds out about Compound V. And then her head explodes when she's about to tell Butcher about it. Hmm. So now I'm like, damn. They thought about this. Whoever's writing the show, like, maybe the family element's trash. But they... (laughs) But, like, they have definitely thought about it. And that character was developed in season one. Which is... Shit like that I love. If I can go back and look and be like... All right, y'all fucking got me. So maybe we should be patient? I'm hoping. I'm hoping that, like, there's things that have been been shown to us that, like, now I'm like, oh, Worth maybe my... Weight. Yes. I will say my favorite character might be Queen Maeve. And by might be, I mean definitely is. And by definitely is, this is why. I think out of all of the characters, she might be the most relatable in a human, in a, in a current mind state sense, right? Like, I'm just like... She is trying to do good. She keeps trying to, but then she kind of keeps getting fucked. And it's a little bit like the system keeps fucking her and she keeps trying. So there's that like, I, I have hope, but she's also a little beaten down. And like, what the fuck does it matter? Like that attitude that like, I feel like sometimes we all get. It's just like one day we're just like, you know, today is not the day that I'm going to try to fucking defeat the system. And I'm going to take a, a I'm going to smoke my fucking weed cigarette and look at these two fucking hopeful people and tell them to get the fuck out of my apartment. You know, like I think that scene specifically spoke really to me. Cause like she has that turned over table from her fight with her girlfriend that she still hasn't fixed. Cause obviously it's like a reminder that like her girlfriend left her. Like it just like, it's those little things that I'm like, she's relatable as fuck to me. And like, what does she do after she breaks up with her girlfriend? She goes and fucks other people because she's trying to, like, get over it. Because, like, don't we all kind of, like, cope with shit that way? You know, I feel like she is one of the characters where, like, she's not super present. But she's weirdly one of the more developed characters to me. That I'm, like, especially this season. And then, like, her whole bisexual thing, which we'll get into when we talk about representation. But I also think, like, you know, she shows up. With Stormfront and Kimiko beaten up, or not Stormfront, she shows up to fuck up Stormfront with Starlight and Kimiko. Like, that was excellent. Like, what a fucking moment, right? I mean, and go ahead. Uh, well, and I just think, like, to that point, it kind of brings in this idea of what do you give up for fame? Because, like, she is being, she's clearly being a, 
abuse like there's an abusive relationship between yes. her and Homelander yes. and arguably her and Stan Edgar ultimately. Yeah. But like in order to keep her level of fame, which you know, you never stop being famous, but she could give all this up and go like disappear with Elena had it not been for Homelander. Right. So she kind of feels in this like trap between a rock and a hard place, just stuck. And she, and yeah, we see her struggle with it all season. Yeah. And ultimately she like says, yeah, fuck it. Like when she helps Starlight escape, you know. Black Noir, yep. yep. Right. Which again is kind of like a Starlight saving A-Train from dying of a heart attack. Yes. But then like if if Black Noir wakes up from a coma, which like, are they going to reuse the same device, right? (laughs) A-Train's in a coma. Right. Black Noir's in a coma. You know, translucence, like, you know. It's actually sabbatical. Right, <laughs> and Mandy's the funniest one of all of us. Um, but it's like if you know when this, like, she ultimately comes to light and is like, "I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna do the right thing." But it's also like it's it's never in public. It's never threatening to her reputation. Yeah. It's but this was standing up to real power, which was like. Stormfront could just kill you. Homelander could just kill you, you know, on this field where no one's watching, where there are no cameras. It's so interesting that you say this. Like, it's never threatening to her reputation. That kind of just slapped me in the face like that big dong from that guy from the mental institution. But, like, you know, when they're beating up Stormfront, they're beating a Nazi because she's a proclaimed Nazi at that point, right? So Maeve can kind of chime in there because she's like, no, this is a good thing that I'm doing. Which is, it's also she's helping out Starlight. She's helping out Kimiko. But and it's it probably like, also feels a little good. Oh, I'm sure. Beating the fuck out of a Nazi, like, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. If that was something in a museum expo, I would do it. So, <laughs> I would sign up for that class. 100%. I lit up during that scene because, first of all, I was like, Rick and Morty, eat your heart out. Yes! <laughs> oh, my God. That's so true. You're going to be on the Rick and Morty episode, so this is... Oh, oh man. Oh, they Nick- just have a whole like end sequence for like several minutes of them just like kicking and beating up Nazis. It's a whole, yeah. It's amazing. Rick and Morty is quite the show to watch. It is so meta in so many ways. Oh, it's so good. Our but, podcast on that will be very interesting. But the other thing that I, I could, the first time I saw it, especially, I couldn't help but thinking is like how, how powerful this like girls get it done the, like scene was, which they make fun of, you know, throughout the whole season. But compare that oh, to, like, shit, the yeah. the powerful moment in, like, Avengers Endgame where all the female superheroes come to have a moment of, we're going to go help, like, Spider-Man before Thanos gets this thing back. Is, like, you know, ultimately they still needed men to, like, solve this problem. And here it was just, like, no, these girls are, like, kicking the, the men shit were out the of this The weakest Nazi. people in that entire the scene. They And they were just... The boys were useless. <laughs> They were just watching them, and they were like, damn. We can literally do nothing to help. Our, our guns don't work. Nothing. Like, y'all have fun. We're just going to clap at the end of this, I guess. That's all we're going to be able to do. That's so true. Because in Marvel, it is a little, like, patronizing in a way, and, like, a little pedantic that they're like, girls get it done, but yet somehow they're trying to save Spider-Man. Like, they're just, like, aiding Spider-Man rather than, like... I mean, they were taking the glove at some point, too, but, like, anyway. They're not taking the lead. Exactly, yeah. It wasn't... this, like, a sacrifice. It it wasn't the boys standing aside and being like, yes, queen. It was, like, the boys being like, thank you. You know what I mean? Like, our guns don't work here. Oh, no. (laughs) That was so... That is so poignant. That is such a great point to make. Because, holy shit, I didn't even think about that. They just fucking didn't need anybody. And they were kicking the shit out of her. And that's that's what I love about this series. Is that there are things like... 
that they will take and say, that was your female empowerment moment, Marvel. Like, we're going to show you how it actually should have been done from the beginning. And that's what I love about about this show is that it not only is making fun of some of these movies and, and pointing out their... Like, Marvel is purely a... Especially when you get into the Iron Man movies. Yes. It is just such a propaganda for, like, the military-industrial complex. Yeah. And I appreciate how The Boys is, like, seriously putting that on on trial. But then also taking the moments that... Even when you want to win those cultural moments, Marvel kind of fucks it up. Because it doesn't, like, fit with the general theme. A hundred percent. And something that you were saying with the military and... Mili- Red wine, shut up. <laughs> The military-industrial complex. Was that good? Did I say it right? You did. Okay, great. There's what something... Was it? What was it? I'll say it one more time. I can't and I won't. Out of the three out of four rooms... Oh, I said it right this time! You know what? That's not funny now. I'm gonna cut that shit out. MIC in the MCU, though. <laughs> and now I'm twitching. I literally have no idea what's happening. Not at all. Yep. Or keep it in, because this might be the funniest fucking thing. But <laughs> the other thing that kind of stuck out with me with that, that was like a subtle kind of fuck you to, to that idea is that almost every cutscene had, like, what are those called? Those Humvees or those military RVs driving in front of wherever they were. If you think about it, in that last episode especially, almost every cutscene when they were about to set up a scene had military RVs driving through, and then they would do the scene. So it was kind of this, like, subtle, like, the military is always fucking there, no matter what you're doing. Like, all these people were living their lives and doing normal shit, but the, right before that, the military vans were, like, coming through. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? So I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, you know, it, I think it has a... There's a long history of, like, Hollywood cooperating with, like, the war machine of, like, let's... I mean, this is how we get the people to be on our side. And it's, like, the power of vast media. And so I think it's it's interesting how they've used that as... How, how DC and Marvel have kind of used that, obviously... It's interesting because, like, DC, you see with Batman, like, yeah. saying, like, being an extra, meaning outside of police force, because the police can't get it done, which right. is very true. I mean, it is a, it is a poignant example of, like, Gotham City cannot be, like, free of crime with the normal, you know, NYPD. And so you have this, like, outside the law GDPD vigilante. or whatever. GD, yeah. Right. Gotham Police. Wow, you Freudian said that one. I didn't. I was very... You were very <laughs> articulate <laughs> on... That was exactly what you wanted to I say. I chose my words carefully. This is a defund the police podcast. <laughs> don't listen if you don't like it. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate mean, that. But it's, it's that thing of, like, here we also see, like, the military is not enough. Mm-hmm. We need Compound V. We need, we need soups. Right, and, like, help us. Right, and so it's like this the normal infrastructure, the normal institutions that we rely on to keep us safe aren't sufficient. And they're not. They're not. I mean, like, at the end of the day, yeah. like, we we spend way more in the military. We spend, like, $8 billion in New York City on the NYPD. Yeah, 100%. It doesn't necessarily mean that crime rates are going down. It doesn't stop insurrections from happening in our nation's well, capital. Right, and, it, and it's, it, it's a lot of different things, right? The police fund goes towards millions of things, and we're like, well... Some of these things should be dealt with by mental professionals. And there's, like, lots of different things that the police are doing that really shouldn't be done by the police. But that is a whole other podcast. So the next question, and this is not necessarily one that... So here's my thing, is I try to make... Do you have the point? Just on that same subject of the idea of, you know, soups needing to be in the military. Soups needing to be... Like, we need this, like... We need advanced weapons, in people, mm-hmm. in, in military presence, in, you know... Nuclear weapons, yeah. Right? 
but in to to thwart the like enhanced opponents, which are mm-hmm. never actually that enhanced. We see this like theme with like in Iron Man that of like oh they, like these people can recreate this and like we need to have the military needs to control this. Like that's a huge theme of all of these things. <laughs> but we also I think what the boys poignantly did in this season was show. What if you're most powerful? What if your cheerleader, what if the face of that operation is a white supremacist, is a Nazi? And shows directly how, like, in our police force and our military forces, like, this is absolutely what happens. So that we we should be wary of what do we allow in? Weapons, personalities, etc. I can completely agree. I think that's a very good statement. Uh, moving on to the next question, though, to keep us within time, which is we're going to have to be the longest fuck podcast, but you know what? You both are so damn smart. I can't cut shit out, so that's what it is. You can cut shit out. No, you guys are smart and funny. Sh- <laughs> What's well, not going to happen? You're signing an NDA, so here we go. That's also, not how that works. <laughs> Sorry, I'm drunk. What were you saying? Also what? And let me know when there's a good like refill time. Do you want to refill now? We can pause. I, I don't know if there's an axe break coming. No, no, no. I was just going to ask the next question, but it's kind of good before we get into the next question. Let's take a pause. Doesn't quite feel like the ending to that episode? It's because you're right. That episode is so jam-packed with stuff that we talked about that I think I'm going to give this a two-parter. So tune in next week for the second part of the boys' podcast episode. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode uh, from the Rosé Empire. We hope you liked it and you enjoyed the content. Uh, As always, you know, I am listening for your feedback. Would love to hear from you. If you are not following me on social media, you definitely should be. I am um, Rosie in Review on Facebook. I am Weaver underscore Beaver underscore TV on Instagram. And I'm Rose in Review on Twitter because, you know, I picked a name with an accent in it. And that doesn't exactly translate to a Twitter handle handle profile. Also, if you want to get involved in the podcast, if you want to be a guest uh, on the podcast, there is a link in all of my social media profiles um, for you to fill out a form, and we will get to back to you on availability. And if we are able to, if we haven't already recorded, maybe you know said episode about said TV show. Uh, if you'd like to be a sponsor, there's also a sponsor form on my link tree as well. You know, I am willing to. Give shout outs to all small businesses, um, queer owned businesses, black owned businesses, especially. And, um, you know, anybody that that sells liquor, you know, I am I would love to take some of that liquor and drink it on my episode and talk all about you um, and your liquor store. So that can also happen. Uh, Some other things I am I have a Patreon account and, you know, it's it's soft launch right now. So it's really just talking about it here on my episodes but if you're interested in you know getting to know you know more content um you know there's different levels so different levels of subscription get different things but if you want to check out my patreon account that is also in my link tree on my social media account so i definitely recommend checking that out because the more patreons i get the more i can make this a full-time job which is really what i want to do and i really want to you know, be bringing you all this content that I think is a lot of fun and I think we can have a lot more fun with it if I make this my full-time job versus my side hustle. So thank you again so much for tuning in. We, uh, you know, I say we, it's me. I'm, I'm it's really just me doing this right now, but I really appreciate all um, everyone who listens and I will uh, talk to you next week. All right. Have a great one. <laughs>